Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Um, I'm going to put up a question. We haven't got time to do this now, but from now on, quite often, I'm going to be popping up this question. It's a, it's a discipleship question. If you're in like a relationship with somebody else and you want them to, to grow as a Christian, and actually you want yourself to grow as a Christian, it's pretty simple, really. Ask this question. Take a picture of the question if you want to. What did God say to you this week as you read the Bible, and what are you going to do about it? Can you say it after me? What did God say to you this week as you read the Bible, and what are you going to do about it? If we all just got better at regularly asking that question of each other, this church would grow like mad. So take a picture of it, write it down, make a note of it, start asking one another. I mean, it has some prior assumptions. It basically, it, it says God speaks to us and he does. One of the ways that he does it, I found massively is through the Bible. And if you're, and the more I'm reading the Bible, the more God speaks to me. And the less I read the Bible, the more it seems like he's quiet. So this assumes that people in churches who would say that they're Christians are reading the Bible and maybe you're not yet there, you're not yet a Christian, start reading the Bible. I challenge you to start reading the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more God's going to speak to you. Some people are like, well, he's really quiet and I don't know what, I don't even know if God's there. And I'll usually ask them, Do you, are you reading the Bible regularly? And you can see a little bit of a, gu a guilty look that comes across their face and a kind of, uh, well, because you know what? I can't stop. God speaks to me too much. God really speaks to me an awful lot. And to be honest with you, I wake up in the morning and the first thing that I do is I read my Bible and I spend time doing it. And then I think, what's he trying to say? I don't just read it in some way. I'm like, what are you trying to say to me? And there's so many things that he's saying to me all the time. So I'm going to start sometimes in these services, before I do a talk or at some point in the service, we're just going to do this. I'm going to ask people, to say what they think and it could be it doesn't always have to be something wonderful and something happy it could be something challenging it should become, it, but, but God will speak to us in all kinds of different ways and one of the ways is going to, I really want to encourage us and maybe as you, as you read that you kind of do feel the kind of guilty thing oh I'm not sure it's been a busy week and, and that would be all you'd say to somebody to say to somebody do you know what to be honest I didn't really read my Bible this week it's just been one of those weeks I've not even had time to do it but hopefully that will help you to think, but next week it's going to be a different. So it's not about a guilt trip. It's actually helping to set one another free and to be in that kind of encouraging community. And maybe that other person will say, well, do you know what? I'm going to pray that this week you'll get more opportunity and more time to be able to do that. Because we're not about guilting anybody. We're about encouraging one another, aren't we? Are we? Yes, great, okay. I'm going to read a great list from the Bible because to me, this, this sums up life really well and it's from Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 and, and uh, at some point, you're going to find your where you are in, in life at the moment in this list. You're either in the middle of one of these things or you're just about to have one of these things happen or you've just had one of these things happen because there's this list. Now, I haven't got time to read through them all but if we can put them up, there's a, a list of... Times and seasons, times that we're in. For everything there's a season, God says. A time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to harvest. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build up. A time to cry, a time to laugh. 
a time to grieve and a time to dance. So you, know, you could carry on and look through that list yourself. And, and do you know somebody who's going through a time of tears at the moment? Do you know somebody who's grieving? In your own life, on your Facebook timeline of your, your friends and connections, because everybody's got different connections, on your street, somebody in the family who's, who's thrown it all away at the moment. It just seems like they've thrown it all away. Or somebody who's searching for something or somebody but not able to find them. Or somebody who's in conflict. Somebody longing for healing and the healing doesn't seem to be coming. Do you know anybody like that? What do we do in times like that, if it's us, what do we do to help people who are going through those times? Because everybody does and everybody will all the time. I'll be honest, I was made to dance. That's just me. I was made for the dancing times. I can pull some shapes. (laughs) And, And I was made for the times of planting and building up those kind of times and peace and embracing happy times I'm like all over that I, I, that's just me who's with me on that anybody else yes, yes come on and that's good because God says in Romans 12:15, rejoice with those who rejoice but it doesn't stop there because it carries on doesn't it you know what it says next and mourn with those who mourn weep with those who weep. Some people are actually better at the weeping than they are at the rejoicing. Some people find it easier to enter into somebody's sadness and into somebody's gladness. Some people just kind of, that's the way you are. And and maybe especially if if their gladness is something that you would have really liked and it didn't happen to you, you find it hard to rejoice in somebody else's whatever it is. And there's all kinds of times, times appropriately for rejoicing and times appropriately for weeping. And that's good because in this series, this pastoral series that we're looking at, we're saying that there are, there's a time for us to have pastoral presence is what we're looking at today. And I think this pastoral series is actually really timely because there is a time for everything. And I think it wasn't any accident. I think God decided now is the time for us to look at this together as a church across all of our different sites. So look at how we love and care for one another because it's, it doesn't get more important than that. And that isn't because there's some big underlying issue that you don't know about that we were about to tell you about or whatever. It's just because this happens all the time in people's lives and we want to be responsive and then be aware of that and get better at loving and caring for one another all the time and because no matter what we say about the love of God no matter how much we talk about the love of God no matter how much we talk about trying to be a family and caring for one another the way that our friends and neighbours and our, neighbor, uh, our colleagues and, and people around us are going to see us representing Jesus will depend an awful lot more on how we show it than I might like it's not about the words very often. It's about, were you there? Did you care? John Maxwell says, people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. That's a good one, isn't it? Especially in the tough times. And as part of this Year of acceleration here at Ivy, we believe that God wants to accelerate our ability to represent Jesus better by giving us the right kinds of pastoral presence. 
To, and to summarise today's message in one line, I'd say it's this. When we show we care, we can show the love of Jesus. Or even more succinctly, when we show up, we show Jesus. When we show up, we show Jesus. And when we don't, don't let that phrase about pastoral presence or pastoral care even, pastoral ministry, put you off. Because, to be honest with you, especially if it stops you showing up while you're waiting for the pastoral official people to go. The church over the centuries has made this very, very complicated. And actually, it's supposed to be really simple. They've made it, the church has often made it into a department or given it to particular people that they've called ministers or pastors or the pastoral team or whatever it is. And you've ended up with a few specialised, qualified ministers, but the word minister was never really meant to be a title. It's very hard to find that usage in the Bible. It actually means servant. It's a job. Yeah, it is a job. But the job is serving. And pastoral literally means looking after sheep. Caring for people. Loving people. The job is loving. The job is caring. You can be called a minister and not do that at all. God says, though, if you do that, if you love and care, if you, can, if you can love and care for somebody else, you're qualified. And you can do that. Every one of us. When he fills you with his love and it overflows. Enough so it overflows. Not, not even just enough for me, but enough so it overflows. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, God has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ. That says that anybody here today, you can give your life to Jesus Christ. It would be a fresh start and a new life. You can start all over again. And what do you do with the new life that he gives us? And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. That's how we now spend our lives. That's ministry. God says every Christian is a minister. Did you know that? Did you think that that was what it was? I'm going to talk a lot more about that tonight at seven o'clock here. I'm going to talk about, um, about how the church has often set the bar far too low in some ways, in terms of what it actually means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, we've so stunted our effectiveness. See, not every Christian gets paid, not everybody gets a title, but God's plan is for every Christian to be a minister. As you use the talents and the gifts that he gave you, not just for yourself, but to make a contribution in the lives of other people. You get that new life so that you can live now a life of love where you are not just a taker, but you're a giver. The Bible says 58 times in different ways, love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, help one another, counsel one another, support one another, bear one another's burdens. And Jesus says when we do that, when we, when we love one another, we show the world who he is. Pastoral care is for you. You can do it. You can do it. Now, we've got these cards full of some ideas of the kind of things that we're doing as a church. And we've got free books today that we're giving you, those emergency prayer guides for everybody. So just to kind of give you, not that you're going to walk around with your emergency prayer guide just in case an emergency happens. At the site of the car accident, you say, stop! <laughs> Let us read this. 
That isn't what it's for. It's just to give you some encouragement and some scriptures and, and help you to think in different situations. There's appropriate things for different times, if you like. So don't go reading it all now, but you can take that with you, okay? As our gift and to encourage you that you can do that. You can do it. You can love people. I love that video. If, you've got, if you're on our Facebook and you see that, can you share that video on your Facebook? Because people need to know. This is the kind of stuff that happens and lives can be changed and transformed. Last week, the cap video, that's come up. Share it. Encourage people. This is the sort of stuff that the church is doing. And people will be amazed. I think if people have got no idea the kind of stuff that goes on in churches. And the kind of things that go on from, even from Ivy. People in the community don't really know. But you can encourage them. And, and they can be like, you, you can put something on them and say, hey, have you seen this, what our church is doing? I think it's great. Other people will be like, so encouraged by that. So, and please share it. Now, you can be in a grow group. You could even maybe lead a grow group. You could be like Mary was to Tracy. What did she do? She was kind. She was nice. She made her a meal. She listened to her. Who can do that? Sorry, anybody not putting their hand up? It's like, yeah, no, no. I'm going to ask you again because it didn't work. It, it didn't, it didn't work, some people are not listening. All right, who can be kind, who can be nice, who can make a meal, who can go to somebody when they're sad? Hey, that's like everybody can do this. Everybody can do this. And you can make a difference if you can make time. If you can make time, you can make a difference. And if this is you and you just love doing it, I mean, everybody can do this, but some people, this is just the way you're wired. And you love that's your heart. It's the way God designed you to be. You want to go to people in need more and more and help them. If that's you, when, and in, in the new year, we've got extra training coming up for people to help you to get even better and for us to be able to do that even more. So keep your eyes open. There'll be a card to sign up for that from next week for us. Again, some really fantastic free training to help more and more people to do that. But anybody can show up. Anybody can be pastorally present. And it's not hard because today we're going to look at three different types of pastoral presence in, in, in three C's. Times of conflict, times of, of, of celebration and times of uh, crisis. It's about resolving conflict where you, there's parties that are warring, if you like, and you're there to bring peace. You can do that. It's about conflict. Stepping up and empathising, not just sympathising, with somebody suffering and going and doing something that brings healing and restoration to brokenness. You can do that. And celebration. Somebody's joyful. Somebody's got something to celebrate. You go along and join in with them and celebrate with them. You can do that. Can't you? Of course you can. I can do that. But I can do it. Anybody can do it. The Bible's character to help us with this is Job. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible and when I first read the Bible I didn't know that it wasn't Job for quite some time I would read it or read it and the book of Job but it's pronounced Job funnily enough and Job had lots of times of tears lots of disappointments lots of tragedy and heartbreak in his life and you might feel to be honest that you're like Job today and if that's you, you're really welcome and we love you and we'd love to pray with you and come talk to me about it and pray. we'll pray with you at the end. But lots of us actually at the moment were probably not Job today. You might have been in the past, you might have had some disappointments and some pains, but right now you're in a position to go and help other people. So whose job is Job? 
That's the big question here. Because this is a person whose world collapses and it happens really suddenly. It goes from bad to worse to terrible. Whose job is Job? And we need to know that Job is a good man who knows and loves God. And he has a strong faith. But hands up if you know that bad things happen to people who love God. Let's be real, we're not on Christian TV here. <laughs> not because God is not good, but because we live in a broken world. And we have an enemy. And there is, there is a lot of terrible things that happen in the world and that's clearly seen actually in this story if you read it because it starts weirdly with the devil being allowed allowed to appear in heaven and God is just bragging to the angels about Job and how fantastic Job is and how much he loves Job and how much Job loves him but the devil says yeah but the only reason he loves you is because everything's sweet everything in his life is just hunky-dory so of course he's going to love you anybody would let me at him. Let me test him. Let me give him some struggles. I bet he'll curse you. God thinks the devil's wrong. God thinks Job will still love him no matter what. But again, Lucifer says, eh, see, it's just not a fair competition. You've put, he says, a hedge of protection around him. I believe he does that. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him to deliver them. And it says, you've, you've put this hedge around him of protection. He said, I've been protected. You've been protected at different times in your life. It could have happened, it didn't happen. That doesn't mean that everything, that everything that, that, you know, bad never happened, but there has been so many things that we have been shielded from. And one day we'll get to heaven, we'll be amazed. The day you give your life to Jesus, he... he he, he puts a, sh a hedge of protection. He puts a, he, he, you step in in some way, I believe, into some more blessing. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. There's, there's something that happens about that. And then there's a mystery to what happens next because actually, we never find out the reason why for this, but God allows Job to be tested. A crisis comes into his life. All of his fortune, all of his possessions, all of that good stuff goes and his life goes terribly out of control absolutely out of his own control from bad to worse even family members die suddenly and then he gets health issues he has these boils that break out all over his body and he's like itching and scratching at them it's gross and the question all the time is will his faith survive Will he still keep on trusting God in this? Or will he do what his wife says, take her advice, because of how she's feeling, where she says, just curse God and die. That's her marital advice to him. Because <laughs> that's how she's feeling. But Job replies, shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? It, which is interesting, because it seems to indicate that he thinks the bad came from God's hand too. But when you read the story, you see that that wasn't actually the case. Just because God allows it, doesn't mean he sends it. Then one day, Job's friends show up. And that's really important. That's a really important word, just showing up. Because too often in our world, people go through stuff and nobody shows up. I was talking to Gail, who runs our CAP Centre. Helping, she's there, where is she? There she is. Helping people go, go debt free. 
20 people by the end of the year through, through Ivy's work there are going to go debt free. That's just amazing. Fantastic work. And she was telling me, for lots of people around here, she actually said to me, I could drive from like Merseybank to here and I could stop at three houses on the way where nobody ever goes to help or, or with those people apart from her. And I thought this was interesting. This is, she wasn't bragging. She was telling me, I was asking her. It was like a, and she said, like, there's one of them. She, says, she basically said, he's really annoying. You know, I hope he's not. I know we didn't bring him today. <laughs> but he's like, he's like really annoying. So, uh, you know, and when I go and see him, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't like he's really annoying, so I don't go and see him. It was, and when I go and see him. You see the difference? See, when people, debt very often in these people's stories is just to present an issue. It's one thing's happened after another, after another, and they've ended up getting in caught in this thing. The reason I love CAP, the reason I personally, we, me and Zoe, we were all gived out. We, we'd, like, we'd done our bank statement a few years ago, and we're like, well, we're giving this much to church, and we've got this much for compassion children, we've got this for this, 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 and all these things, and we're like, we can't give any, to anything else. But then I had to go to a CAP day about Christians Against Poverty. So I went over to Bradford, and I was there, and I was listening, and they told these stories. They told a story about a young guy, and they said he, his, his mum died. He was 17 or 18, and his mum died. And while he was coming that suddenly, his dad died of a broken heart straight after it. So now he's got two, two of his family's dad. He's on his own. And he needs to find a thousand pounds for the funeral. And he couldn't. So he was trying to kill himself. And I just thought, there's no way anybody who's 17 or 18 should be trying to kill themselves for a thousand pounds. And I rang Zoe. I said, we're going to have to give to Cap. And we've been doing it ever since, and I'm so glad that we do. But I also thought, we're going to have to start a cap centre. And it's just about going to people, and being there with people, and helping. You can do that. Just making a little bit of room, a little bit of time in your, in your week, maybe to go with Gail, to be a befriender. What does a befriender do? It, it's, the job description isn't difficult, is it? It's there. B... You can do that. I know some people are doing all kinds of other stuff. Consider it. So Job's friends did show up, but did they show the love of God? Unfortunately, when you look at the response of Job's friends to his suffering, it provides a bad example, an example of what not to do. He's in a time of unimaginable crisis. What's the response of his friends? Job chapter 2 says, Now when Job's three friends heard all of this, this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar. And they made an appointment together. Then they went to come and show him sympathy and comfort him. But when they saw him from a distance, they didn't recognise him. It was like, wow, what's happened? Because the grief and maybe because of the boils and the illness and everything. They're like, they didn't even recognise him. And they raised their voices and wept and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their, hand, on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights and no one spoke a word to him for they saw that his suffering was, really, was very great. So it says Job's friends, first of all, they made an appointment together indicating that they, they took their time, to be honest, but eventually they planned to go and see him. And when they finally got there, they didn't recognise him. But then it says they tore their robes and threw ashes on their heads, which sounds like, ah, whoa, but actually it's a religious ritual. I've got a friend who was a Hebrew scholar. He said that in, in lots of these Semitic societies, what they would do to show that, that you were really cross and upset about something, you might even bring the tearing robes. To, to tear in a religious way. 
and a ritual way. So when, when he says that the high priest tore his robes because he heard what Jesus said when he heard him say, yes, I'm the son of God, basically. At least he tore his robes. It was like, bring me the, the robes that I use for tearing when I'm cross. <laughs> that's what it was. So they're, they're, that's what they're doing. They're like doing something religious. I went to a friend's house a couple of weeks ago, back down in Surrey. I had to go down there for a couple of weddings from my previous church. And there's a guy called John and his wife just died. So I went to go and see him. And I sat with him for a bit and I was talking to him. And then and he was crying and I said, oh, I'll pray for you. I went and I said, and I, said I got my Bible out. He went, he just said, Anthony, he says, don't read the Bible to me, just, talk, just pray. And he's lovely because I was glad he could be that real with me. It's just like, just be here and pray with me. Now the truth is, I, I prayed Bible. <laughs> but what I didn't do was get religious. And I'm glad that he stopped me being religious. Because people want real, don't they? Job's friends might have had good intentions, but their religious response wasn't appropriate to the time. It was actually like a, it's a ritual for bereavement for when somebody died. But Job actually wasn't dead. He needed so many people to just be with him and listen to him. And, and they were following the correct orthodox practice. But that doesn't mean that they were showing that they cared or that God cared. And lots of people, say at least the three stooges, these guys, did one thing right. They came and sat with, in silence with Job for a while. Because it was only when they opened their mouths that they started to say stupid stuff. <laughs> Giving him advice. Telling him God is still good. Defending God. And then they started to say, the obvious next step for that is, so you must be bad. Because God's still good, so you must be bad. Because something bad's happened to you. And so often, I'm, when I'm going into a different, different, difficult pastoral situation, I'm going to go and I'm praying, and I'll say to Zoe, can you pray for me? I'm going to whatever it is. And she'll just say, just remember to shut up and listen. In her caring and pastoral, wifely way. <laughs> and you know, it's true. We never really learn anything while we're talking. I'm not learning anything now as I'm telling you this. James Keyes, who set up the recovery group here, he used to say, and he says it to the people in the group, take the cotton wool out of your ears and put it in your mouth. <laughs> so that's what we need most. The dialogue actually goes on for 28 chapters with, with his ignorant friends telling him why he's wrong and God's okay and it, and it goes from bad to worse and they end up arguing with him over it till eventually one of them says, basically, it was your children's fault that they died. They must have been evil. Thanks. What do we do? Really quickly, I'm going to have to move on through this. Number one, respond immediately. Better to go as quick as you can. If you can possibly go, go soon. You can't always go, but if you can, just go. And you don't have to go and have everything in place. Just be there with people. Go and do something and just be there and, and uh, you know, help. Tidy up. You know, look after one of the kids or do something else. Push them on, a, on the swing. Just being there and responding immediately is best. You can't be with people in spirit. You know, people say that. I can't be there, but I'm with you in spirit. No, you're not. <laughs> really listen. Because people aren't usually massively looking for advice. 
and refer if necessary. It could be that, that you realise, actually, this is a person who needs more help than I can give. That's fine. You can find out somebody. You could encourage them to cap to the church, to the doctor, to get counselling, to get help professionally. And the next one is read scripture. Because actually, that's the only source of wisdom and comfort that I've really got. I'd pretty soon run out of my own. But when it's appropriate, I can bring a, a verse I ended up, I just prayed in my head as best I could, Psalm 23 with that guy about the Lord being his shepherd and all of that. And he could see him, it, was, it brought comfort to him. Another aspect of pastoral presence is conflict resolution. So we've had the first one, which is when a crisis happens, the next one is conflict resolution. Job's conflict was really with God in a way. It was why do bad things happen to good people? That was his, his question. But actually, this was not philosophical. This was really personal. Job 3 verse 25, he said, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. And really what he wants to know is, does God care? I've got all this misery happening. I thought God was good. And this has happened. And as I say, his friend, Bildad, responds basically, he's good, but you're not. You must have sinned for this to happen. And unfortunately, the church has done that to people, hasn't it? The church, church people do that to people. Instead of comfort, we've brought condemnation to people. Bildad says this in Job 8, I can't believe it. How long will you go on like this? You sound like a blustering wind. Does God twist justice? Does the Almighty twist what is right? Your children must have sinned against him. So their punishment was well deserved. Wow. I can't believe you would say that, but to be honest with you, I hear sometimes that things people say and can't believe what people say. And it's better to say nothing in that sense. How should we handle conflict? Things to write down if you're writing down. Enter in. Seek first to understand. There's that thing about walking a mile in their shoes. Then you'll be a mile away and you'll have their shoes. <laughs> Not really true. But you know, it's like, how, how does this seem from your perspective? Help, I want to understand what this must be like for you. Number two, open up and help them to open up. Rather than like closing them down and saying, oh, it'll be all right. Don't get people to bottle up and clam up because that, you're making me feel uncomfortable bring people out drop it how does it feel that must be awful tell me more win win there's no competition we don't have to prove we're right God's right it's alright and actually maturity realises that if I'm trying to fix the blame I can't usually fix the problem and find a solution it's better to let things calm down and cool down rather than rush to an agreement that isn't really a, it's just not even a, a real one. It's just a fake thing that passes so I can leave. So that's two kinds of pastoral presence. God says you can do this. You can show up when there's a crisis. You can show up when there's a conflict. Finally, you can do it when there's a celebration. See, Job kept on asking the same question over and over. Why? Why did this happen? Doesn't God care? about me and the, the interesting thing is he never got an answer to that question this side of heaven there was an answer in heaven we saw that right at the beginning as to why it happened but at the end of the book God himself shows up and 70 times he asks questions that Job can't answer 
And they're all about how God cares. It's like, how do you think I care for elephants? How do you think I care for hippos, Job? How do I do that? How do I care that rain falls and make that happen when you, when you need it to happen? How do I do that? Do you know? And he goes through all these things. And at the end of it, Job goes, I'm going to put my hand on my mouth. I've spoken about stuff that I, I've got no idea about. And he said, but at one point he says, but one thing I do know, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he comes to a place basically where he says, I have no reason to accuse you of a lack of caring just because I have a lack of understanding. I have no reason to accuse God of a lack of caring just because I have a lack of understanding. And then God turns and tells Job's friends that their pastoral presence was all wrong because actually they didn't represent him. They didn't present him as he really is. He said to them, this is in the message version, you haven't been honest either with me or about me the way my friend Job has. God wants us to be honest, not perfect. And then he says this to them, my friend Job is now going to pray for you. That's turn the tables, hasn't it? <laughs> and I will accept his prayer. He will ask me not to treat you as you deserve for talking nonsense about me. Don't you love the Bible? And then when Job prays for his friends, an acceleration happens and a celebration happens. Job 42. After Job had interceded for his friends, God restored his fortune. Actually, he doubled it. All of his brothers and sisters and friends came to his house and celebrated. They told him how sorry they were. They consoled him for all the trouble that, that had been brought upon him. Each of them brought generous gifts. God blessed Job's later life even more than his earlier life. And then it goes on to describe what that looked like for his life, in his life and so much blessing that came in at the end of his life that wasn't there in the middle of it. So many reasons to celebrate. And you notice actually at this point more of Job's friends turned up for the party than they did for the tears. And that's often the way it is. Isn't it? What, are you just there for the parties? Am I just there for the parties and the celebration? Or am I going to be there for the tears? Now, I mean, the, the fact is, it's better late than never, never, isn't it? This isn't, again, about guilting people out. It's just to make us think. The best time to show up for that person might have been a month ago. The second best time is this week. Or now, today. So don't guilt yourself out of showing up. Show up. Even if you haven't got all the answers, the interesting thing for me with this is we can be the answer when we show up. Because if people are asking, God doesn't care, and then you show that you care, you're showing that he cares. And you're answering a prayer. You can be an answer to somebody's prayer just by showing up. Even if you can't give them the theological explanation as to why this prayer didn't get answered the way they wanted it to be, you can be an answer by washing up. You can be an answer by babysitting. You can be an answer by bringing a cake. You can be an answer by doing something. But you have to go to be there. I know it sounds obvious. But as I say, people say, I'll be with you in spirit. And it, 
You can't really. You've got to go. You've got to go to the person. So please, Ivy Cap, be a befriender. Sign up for that. Get involved with refugee support stuff that we're doing, the message building on a, on a Monday. And all these different ways that we can show up and show God's love to people. Whose job is Job? Whose job is it to show care? Whose job is it to show the love of God to people in the church and outside of the church? John Wimber was a pastor and a woman came up to him and said, I went to see Ralph in the hospital, but the church should go and see him. And he said, sounds to me like the church did. Are you the church? Who's the church? Hands up again. We're the church. If you're not, you can be. You just have to come and give your life to Jesus Christ and say, I want to turn away from living just for myself and I want you to fill my life with your love and help me to show it in the world. And he'll do that. And that's what disciples do. And I'm going to talk about more of it tonight. But whose job is Job? Whose job was Job? Whose job is it to care, to love, to pray, to go, to be with that person, to help the crisis, to resolve the conflict, to join the celebration? Who here is qualified for pastoral presence? Yes. The question isn't if we're qualified, it's if we're willing. If we'll do it. And not make ourselves too busy to be able to do that. Would you stand if you're able? The band are going to come up. I'm going to read this thing, which um, is like a, a quite a well-known thing about a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody and nobody. There was an important job to be done. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realised that everybody wouldn't do it. In the end, everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Hands up if you're willing to be anybody for somebody. Hands up if you just wouldn't do that. You know, just to go and be somebody to somebody in need. An able body, a willing body is what God's looking for. Just to, as we pray, Lord, use me. Just pray that. Use me, Lord. To go and be your hands and just to sit with people and be an ear and listen and go and love for you and bring your, your peace or your hope or your encouragement just by being there more and more with people. Thank you for the comfort we've received and help us to comfort others with it. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.